1: Yo! Not Jay Binkley. I am. Yes. Who am I? I am Batman. Now I'm Sean Levine. Sports Machine, Grant Nicholson. For the next three hours here, Pink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610 Sports.com, and all over the world on the Odyssey app. If you, uh. If you take the non-baseball season off and then it rolls around and you're like oh lord it's spring training that that started oh the lockout's over with and you haven't paid too much attention to all the happenings going on in the division first of all there's a lot of them second of all what have the royals done what's the season going to look like well the truth is i don't know but i know somebody that does his name is josh vernier he's your royals insider he's coming up at 645, so stay tuned for that. If you you haven't paid any attention, we'll break it down at a very nuclear level with Josh Vernier. Of course, we'll talk some college basketball. KU back in the tournament, MU not, K-State not, both looking for head coaches once again. Although, I do have a question about my Jayhawks. Bill Self has been there for 20 years now, or 21, I guess. Hold on, 20, 19. He got there in 03, 19 seasons. Don't look at me like that, Grant. You're the one supposed to do the math. Is one national championship in, I don't know, 19, 20 years or whatever, is that acceptable? Is that okay at a place like Kansas? Grant's over there shaking his head yes. I think there's an argument no, and we'll get into it as the show rolls along. But let's go ahead and start with NFL free agency because – There's been so many moves going on. I'll tell you what the Chiefs have done. I'll tell you what everybody else in the division has done because ultimately that's what's the most important as we ask the question, are the walls caving in the AFC West on the Kansas City Chiefs? Are the Chiefs not making enough moves and everybody else around them is getting better? Let's talk about it. Feel free to holler at me. 913-576-7610 is the phone number. That's also the same number for the text line. So, of course, let's start with, we'll work our way to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Denver Broncos, that got Russell Wilson traded, fourth round, second round pick, two second rounders, a fifth rounder, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, for quarterback, Russell Wilson. So, Russell Wilson comes to the, the division. I think the biggest question there is, what Russell Wilson is it? Is it the Russell Wilson that at times looks very pedestrian, or is it the Russell Wilson that also at times looks like the league MVP? Here's the problem. Parts of every single year for the last two or three years, he's been that same guy, where he's either looked great or he has looked like dog crap. Which guy is it going to be? The Chiefs are going to face him now going forward twice a year against the Broncos, and they've made a lot of other moves. They've added to their offensive line. They got Calvin Anderson. That was just a re-signing. And then the news today, if you saw this, Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory ends up going to the Denver Broncos. So 70 million bucks, 28 million guaranteed for the former Dallas Cowboy defensive end. They also bolstered up their defensive side, getting DJ Jones, and then uh whatever. Oh, then they got Josie Jewell also. So they've made some moves on the defensive side of the ball. Again, we'll get to the Chiefs. The Chargers have been making moves also, super active. Mike Williams re-signed, three years, 60 million. Most of the time, it feels like when there's wide receivers like Mike Williams, they either re-sign a one-year deal, a la Juju Smith-Schuster, with the team they were on, or they end up getting overpaid by another team. In this case, it's about market value. Three years, $60 million, $40 guaranteed over the first couple of years. So Mike Williams stays with the Chargers. But unfortunately for us as Chiefs fans, his name was kind of floated around a little bit. We always talk about the Chiefs need that kind of possession, wide receiver, eight touchdown, thousand-yard guy that'll stay on the field. Mike Williams is that dude, and he's been that dude, but now he's still that dude for the Chargers on a three-year, $60 million deal. So he stays with them. Austin Johnson signs with the Chargers. They get Khalil Mack. I'm sure you saw that news. And then yesterday, got J.C. Jackson, the cornerback. And I'll admit, I did not pay enough attention to this cat, J.C. Jackson. This dude, over his first four years in the NFL has 25 interceptions. J.C. Jackson, former Patriot cornerback, current Denver Bronco cornerback, and I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Los Angeles Charger cornerback after they get him and Khalil Mack within a span of 10 days. So they add to that defense that was kind of up and down as the season went along. They paid for this dude, J.C. Jackson, uh, five years, $82.5 million, 40 of that guaranteed. The other team in the division, kind of like the Chiefs that hasn't done a whole lot, really nothing, is the las vegas raiders but i find it kind of curious because aren't the raiders one of those teams that's on the come up that maybe if they make a move or two they don't just win 10 games maybe they win 11 or 12 and really the difference is and i know it's a big difference if the raiders would have won those two games versus the chiefs and you tack on two more losses to the chiefs regular season and give the raiders two more wins they win the division they get home field I mean, that was a That was a formidable team. Look back at car stats, not too shabby. But they didn't make any moves or haven't at least so far. They re signed Max Crosby, who's an absolute stud. He basically got the Justin Houston deal. So he got four years. I feel like they're messing around with us here. He got $98.98 million. I mean, come on, man. Like, it's one thing if you're living in a neighborhood of like a sports talk host and you're trying to, you know, negotiate your contract and they're going back and forth with you in numbers and trying to add a couple of thousand dollars. But once you've got the $98 million in front of the contract, does it, and I'm being dead serious. here. Yeah, I've, I've never lived in this family. Does it really matter what comes after that point? 98.98. Like somebody negotiated that thing down to the damn penny. Come on, bro. Once they offer you $98 million, you go, I accept. And you get up and shake their hand real quick. Like Kramer in that episode of Seinfeld. million dollars for Max Crosby to go back to the Raiders. And then the Chiefs. We've made our way to the Chiefs, Grant. So, I'm sure you know at this point, Orlando Brown Jr. has received the franchise tag. That was just an obvious move. You know, sometimes, Brett Veach has made a lot of moves that have been kind of shrewd and creative and trading for, you know, finding Tervarius Ward and getting, you know, a legerious need late in the draft. and A lot of these moves that you look back on and go, damn, okay, that wasn't a big-time deal at the time, but it ended up being a, a huge deal. Um, Orlando Brown was not necessarily one of those. Like, that was pretty obvious what you were going to do, right? You maybe try to lowball him in a long-term contract, see if he'll bite, and if him and his agent don't, then you just slap the franchise tag on him. So you go ahead and take care of that. Another move that the Chiefs made yesterday, officially last night, so as soon as I was signing off the air, Justin Reed, the former Texan, signs a three-year, $31.5 million deal, 20 guaranteed to bolster the secondary. Obviously, the interesting part about that is he's a safety. So the big news this entire, I guess, since the playoffs, is what's going to happen with Tyron Matthew. I feel like with Tyron Matthew, the first year he got here, like if we just want to go back in our hot tub time machine, the first year he got here, A lot of people were kind of like me. I remember saying to CDOT the day they signed him, I said, yeah, they got him in name, but did they get him in game? Like, is that still the honey badger? And then he finished like six and defensive player of the year. Like, damn, he's go out there and win the Super Bowl. The next year, I didn't feel like he took much of a step back. If anything, it felt like he was real confident in his play. He had a couple of more interceptions. But last year, the play definitely dipped off. I don't think anybody could argue that. I think in a moment of transparency, he would probably tell you that he was not the same guy in a chief's uniform this year as he was the last couple of seasons. The problem is that comes in a contract year. It's also for a guy that wants to be paid like the highest safety in the league at a position where people tend to overpay. So at some point, he's probably going to get pretty close to what he wants. My whole point in doing that whole diatribe I just did is this for the first year. I think everybody was like, Oh, Tyron Matthew, man, he's going to retire chief, right? Like, that guy's going to end up in the ring of honor. And he's. And then after the second year, it's like, oh, for sure. Let's just lock him up now. What do we got to do? Now it feels like almost everybody agrees that the Chiefs don't really need that version of Tyron Matthew, that you can spend that money elsewhere. So they end up doing that and getting Justin Reed three for $31.5 million. Another move they made, Frank Clark. Yay. Hey, he's back-ish, kind of, never really went anywhere. Remember how Tom Brady retired but didn't? Well, this is not the same thing, but he didn't go anywhere either. Frank Clark has a new two year, this is how it works out. A new two year $29 million deal. That if he hits his incentives, which let's be honest, I don't really need to give you the incentives because he's remember when Sammy Watkins had this contract and we were like, all right, he's not making twenty anymore, now he's making seven, but he can make fifteen if he does all these things. (laughs) And then he went to Tahiti for half the year in that Airbnb that he goes to. Two-year deal for Frank Clark, $29 million, max value 36 if he hits the incentive. So they basically tore up the old deal. They lowered the cap number. It works out well for them. And now they've got Frank Clark at a number where when he goes out there and sucks, we can't all bitch and complain because now he's going to be making, well, maybe we can for this year too. That's fair. And the Chiefs only did that because it was either that or take a dead cap hit, which if they were going to do that, I probably would have said, okay, cool. Like, I, he's probably not worth whatever you're offering him. You know, whatever they give, like, What do they give waiters and waitresses these days? Like, it's not much, right? It's like three bucks an hour plus tips. He deserves a little bit more than that. Minimum wage. That's about, and plus tips. That's what I would give him. But, as it works out, Frank Clark back for twenty nine million dollars over the next couple of years. So there's being there's other moves being made outside the division, believe it or not. We'll talk about those, not quite as important to the Chiefs as the show rolls along. Like I said, Vern's gonna join us coming up at six forty five. Coming up next, let's switch gears, let's talk some college basketball. Because I actually think that and we'll get the official number of years Bill Self has been there and do them stop my old T I eighty three. I mean, I know it's been since two thousand and three, and it's two thousand and two. You didn't get an eighty
2: four? You didn't have a TI-84? No. Oh, I thought that was standard.
1: Dog, you had a TI-84? Yeah,
2: man. That's new, it. New generation.
1: What? Come That's on, a, man. It's not new now. I can't imagine what TI they're up to now. Surely they don't still have calculators, right? Like, you don't still send it. You...
2: Surely they're using calculators. No, but. You can't have your phones for, like, classes. I bet you do. No way. I bet There's you do. No way. Hey, anybody out there that has
1: kids that would be about that age? When were we using the TIs? Like, uh, high school? 2013. Early high school? Okay, so. Well, I'm not talking about you personally. I'm saying like what Yeah, age, like, like early high, high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, does your kid – I'm pretty sure they do, man. And they all got these iPads. They're, you think they're using their cell phones dude, my, instead of calculators? Dude, my niece comes home with her iPad that she's supposed to be like she's, – She's hollered at me in the middle of school. She's FaceTimed me. But like in geometry class, they're not using their cell phones. I don't know, dude. Okay. I don't know. I mean – They're definitely using them to try to get away with stuff. Are they using them as TI-83s? I think so. Especially if you don't have a calculator. Anyway, we'll argue silly stuff like that for the next three hours. Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio.
0: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
2: Call from mom.
0: Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
3: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever,
0: or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Back in the mail, it's out of her.
1: I know I'm letting it roll. I like the beat. Don't worry about it. I'm watching an NIT game I got money on right now. It's 1918 Oklahoma versus Missouri State. Although the, uh, what do they call it? The play-in game is underway. And it's Texas somebody versus Texas somebody that ends in CC. And until yesterday, I thought that was community college. But it's Corpus Christi. So, uh, anyway. The tournament's underway, Grant. At least for the gamblers, like myself. I have no problem betting on a little bit. I'll
2: party. You don't think I'll probably the NIT with a play-in game? I I never said. That sounds exactly like something oh, yeah. that you would do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I got the whatever that team is that ends in CC. Corp, Corpus Christi, Texas A&M Southern Corpus Christi. I think I made that Southern part. That might be the team they're playing. Who knows? Maybe I have money on both of them. Let's be honest. I'm the sports machine. She on the V, and that's Grant shaking his head at me as if you're my girlfriend. I can't tell you how many times she does that in disappointment. She looks at me and she shakes her head. And I can't blame her, you know. Anyway, if you want to holler at us, 913-576-7610 is the phone number. Speaking of college basketball. So we did the math. Oh, before we do that, speaking of math, uh, from the 816, they have apps for their cell phones now and they use it in class. Got to help my kid. So apparently they do use their cell phone and they have calculator apps. From the 785, Shawnee Nee's teacher here. Kids have fancy calculators. I assume you mean on your phone. I don't know. And then from the 816, I got a sophomore that still used calculators. So who the hell knows? I mean, honestly, you want to hear my math career in high school? I went in early every day freshman year for algebra because I, like, had no idea what was going on. And back in my day, Grant, when I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow, I'm telling you, bro, you had to take two years of high school math and you were done. So I took it that first year. The second year was, what do you take, geometry? I took that afterwards. Everybody was sitting in alphabetical order for whatever reason. And Levine, me, sat right behind Leonardelli. Leonardelli was the class valedictorian, super good at math. so And he was cool. So Leonard Leonardelli would, like, do his work. And I'd tell him, hey, man, I'm struggling. And he would kind of, you know, rearview mirror me. You know what I'm talking about. He'd let me check out his work. And so I would do that. And, you know, the part that was scary about that, like, copying math is scary because you'll show your work. You know what I'm talking about? Other things that you might just have to, like, look at the circle that they filled in, you're in good shape. Multiple choice is great for copiers like me. But, man, I'm telling you, if you have to show the work, that's scary. And everybody's done this before. You just write down a bunch of numbers, and that's the teacher looks at. Scratch off a couple of things. I'm probably giving some 7th graders out there, some ninth graders some ideas, so i just got to stop. i got to get back into the sports. Bill Self has been there for 19 years now at KU, and his record year by year is absolutely insane. I mean... So this year, 28 and six, year before that, 21 and 9, 28 and 3, 26 and 10, 31 and 8, 31 and 5, 33 and 5, 27 and 9. And if you look at all of the accolades, NCAA tournament every single year, he's been a one seed as often as he's been any other seed, which is crazy. Uh, obviously, the streak of winning Big 12 tournaments, like he's done a lot of different things. I guess the only argument that you would make, maybe before this year for Bill Self, and we'll save the tournament talk here for just a second, would be His players that go to the NBA don't turn out to be superstars. But if you make that argument today, you kind of look silly because KU's the only school that had two, count them, two starters in the All-Star game with Joel Embiid, who's going to be named MVP at the end of the year. He's being an absolute, I mean, that guy has been ridiculous this season. And then Andrew Wiggins, who, look, I've never been the biggest fan. I don't really understand his game or how it fits in or how it's improved. I certainly don't understand how he's an All-Star starter, let alone an All-Star period, but I don't care. He's a Jayhawk, and they did have two starters, so it is what it is. So th- I think that argument's gone out the window a little bit. If you want to compare him to maybe, you know, the best of the best and say, well, John Calipari's had 16 different all-stars and 13 different all-pros, yeah, what he's done is ridiculous. But if you compare what Bill Self's done as far as NBA players to, like, what Roy put in the league from North Carolina or what Izzo's put in the league from Michigan State, those other kind of blue chips, it, it's it's on par. So I'm not going to knock that as far as winning the tournament. Let me say this. It's the most difficult postseason to win. I mean, think about what you're trying to do. You have no home games. So everything's neutral at best. And depending on the scenario, you could basically end up playing a road game. You have to play two games in three days the entire way. So if you're lucky enough to win that first game, you have to look ahead to who you're going to have to play in just a couple of days, right? So it's just a weird scenario, You don't really get a chance to play conference teams until late. So everybody's basically new to you. It's just, it's different. Sometimes you're playing early. Sometimes you're playing late West coast teams on the East coast. Like nine, it just, it's different. It's a difficult tournament to win. And because of that, I feel like it's also the tournament that gives us the most untrue champion. That's why Gonzaga hasn't won a national championship, right? That's why you look back and say, Oh, Kansas only has one. Really? 19 years. Bill self you only has one. Jim Boeheim's been there since the Calvin Coolidge administration. One, that's it. And screw that one, by the way. John Calabari, the guy we were just talking about, at Kentucky, great success at Memphis, had the number one overall seed, or a number one seed, because they didn't do that back in the day with UMass and Marcus Camby, one national championship. It's hard to do. It's the hardest to do. Grant and I were looking at this during the break. There's only three current coaches right now that have won multiple national championships. So if you look at every Division One school and then you break it down and say, yeah, but there's really only like twenty or thirty or fifty that can actually win this thing in a given year. There's like ten or fifteen in a year like this. It's really wide open. You take everybody. There's only three: Jay Wright, Rick Patino, and Coach K. That's it. That's the end of the list with multiple national championships. So. Bill Self, when he does, and I think he will, because I don't think he's going anywhere, puts himself in real rare air. You have to imagine Rick Patino's probably not going to be around for too much longer. You have to imagine that Coach K, well, he says he's done, so he probably is, unless he's Tom Brady, so that's that. Then it'll be, in a couple of years, just JRI, as far as college basketball coaches that have won national titles. So Bill Self has a couple of years to join that particular list because in 19 years – one national championship from the outside until you really break it down, maybe doesn't seem good enough until you compare it to some of the other guys, some of the other top rate coaches, some of the other coaches of blue blood schools, and say, Yeah, but those guys only have one 913 576 And it's a whole lot better, as I hit puberty on the radio, a whole lot better than what's going on in Hat Town and in Columbia. Because I think what those scores are going to run into now that they both are in the search for a head coach is this. And we, this is all of us in life, really. Sometimes we think that we're maybe a little bit more valuable than we are or a little bit better at our jobs than we are. And it feels like with K-State, I understand why they would part ways with Bruce or Bruce would part ways with them, however it's going to end up be worded. It was running dry. It was feeling a little bit flat. It's not that he did a bad job. I think that most K-State fans would honestly tell you they did a pretty good job in hindsight. But it was going flat, and they needed a new voice in there, maybe somebody younger, somebody different. I get that. Doesn't mean you're going to get somebody better. It does not mean you're going to get somebody better. I hate to say this, K-State fans. You may take a step back for a while. What do you mean take a step back? I haven't been to the tournament. I'm, I'm telling you, we're talking about, what, four years ago, dude had this team in the Elite Eight. Seven separate times he went over 500 in the Big 12, which is one of, if not the most difficult year in, year out conferences to do that in. So it might be a little bit difficult. In the case of MU, you're probably going to get an upgrade, to be honest with you. If you look back at what Konzo did, hell, if you look back at the guy right before was it Kim Anderson right before him? It's been a while now since they've had stability. But here's what you run into at a school like MU and in a school like K-State. And it sucks because it's the same thing that my school runs into, KU, when it comes to the football program. You want to hire a coach that's good, but you don't want to hire a coach that's that good. Because if he's that good, he'll go running quick. Hell, we've seen it before. Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins came to Manhattan. They were like, all right, man, you better get your stuff straight get right with the media and the public and all that, win some basketball games, get some recruits. Well, he did, and he bolted. He was gone. It's going to happen at these schools. Frank Martin, to some extent, Now I know there was other circumstances with all that, but opportunity to leave it essentially a lateral job, bolted. That's the problem. When you've got a coach at a school like that, and you have success, especially early, they're going to come calling for you, and likely that coach is going to leave. So, when you do this search, you got to find somebody that's good enough, that's going to stick around for a while, which means you probably got to either get a name that you've never heard of, or you got to go an outside route, man, if you're MU, especially. It feels like their pool might be a little bit more open in the SEC. I mean, the whole Kim English conversation with the former player. We were talking yesterday, Rick Patino's name comes up again, like he used to coach in the SEC at Kentucky. You want to put butts in seats for a guy that's been to a lot of games in Columbia and plenty of games at the Octagon of Doom in Manhattan. I'm not—I'm being honest with you. When their teams are good, those are great fans. It's fun—it's fun as hell to go to those places, but they're also super fair weather. And again, I can throw KU football in there. I was there the year they won the Orange Bowl. The place was popping. It was like, oh man, we got the best fans ever. Go now, okay? Like, see what it's really like. So I get it. That's usually what it is, but. They need to get it right at those schools. Like, with this next hire, they need to get it right. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to bring on Josh Vernier, and we're going to talk Royals baseball. But coming up next, we're going to talk about sports right here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio. This
0: is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
3: Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
1: Dude, right after the show, I got a bolt. Like I'm talking about Bolt Grant. Uh, so you have to hold the door for me if you don't mind. Maybe even start my. Nah, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't ask you to do that. If you wouldn't mind the last segment, could you go down and start my car for me? Is that cool is that asking too much
2: you need me to run down and start your car yeah, know, so it's, like, it's ready during the segment like 10 minutes before you leave yeah because it's not that cold out anymore
1: no it's not about that it's about i gotta get my ass out of here i gotta get to the tool concert and
2: how long does it t- take to start your car like, it's not
1: about that seconds? i have no time to waste the show the show starts at like 7 30 and the last but they're not coming out 7 30 you know that probably means like 8 30 or 9 so i figure i'm good there but i got a bolt My boy works parking and he said that he'll meet me like at the best spot that I can park and he's got me guided completely in. So I'm good there. I just don't know. Traffic could always screw me. We'll see how it goes. And the last concert, I haven't been to a ton of concerts at, uh, I almost called it Sprint Center, T-Mobile Center, T-Mobile Arena Center. Which one's in Vegas? Which one's here? T-Mobile Center here, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Well, I do a fight show, like I do a national fight show on the BetQL Network, and I always end up calling it the T-Mobile Center. And they're like, "You mean the T-Mobile Arena?" Anyway, screw all that. The, the artist formerly known as the Sprint Center going to Tool tonight. I got to get out of here. The latest I've ever seen anybody show up for a concert at that place. I went to the the Watch the Throne tour with Kanye and Jay Z. Yo, that show was supposed to start. Same thing, like your ticket said, seven thirty. They came out at, I'm pretty sure it was 1030 or like 1045. Anybody that was at that show, hit me up on the text line. Like, am I exaggerating? 913 Me and Danny went to that show. I remember it being literally those dudes came out two or three hours late. I was pissed off Then they put on such a show. I was like, yeah, you know, that's Hova. What are you going to do? 913 576 We're going to talk some Royals baseball with Vern coming up about 10 minutes from now. So don't change your dial. Our Royals insider, Vern. Josh Vernier joins us. I want to polish off my thoughts because I talked a little KU basketball there about K-State and MU and and their future and all that. First, let's start in Manhattan with K-State. The Brad Underwood talk. Would he be able to come back to his alma mater? Would he want to come back to his alma mater? You have to remember now that Brad Underwood had a job, and then he left it for Oklahoma State, and then he left it for Illinois in a matter of, we're talking about, what, five, six years now? Would he be willing to do that again, Larry Brown style, jump ship at a place that is in a pretty good spot to recruit? If you think about it, like you get all those Chicago guys and then you get to take on the Big Ten every single year and expectations aren't sky high. And every couple of years you do what they've done the last couple of years, which is I mean, they won the Big Ten championship this year, fan base loves him making a ton of money. Let me see. I wrote it down somewhere. Dude's making uh, Brad Underwood.
2: I believe it's close to like $7 million or something like that. It's
1: it's five, but that okay. does make him the 10th highest paid coach in all of basketball right now. And as and you're right, as his contract goes along, it has an escalator where it could end up toward the end of it, Grampian 6 or 7. And then Brad Underwood, the $7 million you're looking at is the buyout. So if K-State said, you know, we want him bad enough that we'll get all of our old white dudes that have a lot of money to pull their money together, get in a room and say, we want this guy. It feels like they could probably get it done. It feels, and I don't have any sort of inside information here, but it feels like they could probably pull it off. The question then becomes, is it worth it? Is he the guy? Is he that guy? Because if you were listening yesterday, I was suggesting that that's not with Brad Underwood specifically, but with any of those kind of, anybody that you really want. If you target somebody for the job, you think they're the right person for the job, whether they're a young guy, an old guy, an alum, a Hall of Famer, bring them out of retirement, an NBA guy, try to get Billy Donovan, whatever your angle is, but you eyeball this guy, if you have enough money, if you can make it happen, damn it, do it. It's just like anything else in life. If you think you've got the right person for the gig and you can afford it, you probably should do it.
2: It's probably going to work out. And there's a lot of like smoke to that Brad Underwood fire. Like it's... It's not going out. It's a lot of talk, a lot of articles,
1: a lot of... It's also new, though. I mean, and Brad Underwood hasn't directly come out and shot it down. Okay, so here's how it works. Last year, he got an extension, Brad Underwood. But that doesn't mean much because he did both... How long was he at Oklahoma State? A year, right? So, like, he'll take off quick. He doesn't need to stick around for too long if he finds a better gig. And any of us would take... If he gets offered that much more money... Let's be honest. Your job, I don't care how much you like your job and your boss and the people you work with and all that crap. Oh, I got the corner office with the cool fish tank. Great. I'm right across from the cafeteria. Oh, it's easy. I kick my legs up on the desk all day long like Costanza. Cool. What are you making? hundred grand? What if they offer you 500 grand to go across the street or a million to go around the block? You're doing it. So something tells me that this guy would jump ship if the money was enough. He'd be coming back to his alma mater. It would be the, you won't talk about a love fest. Not only would he be expensive, but damn, a fan base that's been essentially—you're part of this fan base, man. You went to K-State, Grant. I don't know exactly what it is, but y'all have never—I don't want to say gave Bruce Weber a fair shake, but
2: it's been almost anger,
1: like it's like a like a the, the
2: problem. What is it? The problem that Bruce faced is the way that the last uh, athletic director sent frank on his way. What is thought- that with Bruce? Yeah, but we thought that he was hard done and so they never accepted Bruce early on as a segment of the fan base didn't. That's just a fact. Oh, I want
1: say like it feels like 80% of the fan base didn't. I don't
2: know if it was 80. When he had his hot years, everybody was kind of in on Bruce. Like I get it. But it it does kind of wear thin year after year after those excuses just kind of keep mounting. Why
1: did he have to prove himself more than any other typical coach would? I mean, if you're in Manhattan and you put together... Let's say that Bruce looked like and sounded like and dressed like Frank Martin. And he had the same 10-year run. yeah,
2: but they would be talking about giving him a lifetime contract and retiring a jersey. Yeah, but he doesn't sound like Frank Martin. And he's not Frank Martin. It does matter. The way you... yeah, Did does. you carry yourself it just does. matters. For but some reason, it just never clicked. Ultimately,
1: I think that K-State fans were probably a little bit too harsh on him. Never gave him a fair shake. And also, oh, yeah. I also think you're right. I mean, 100%. if you think about it, the two coaches right before him. So Bob Huggins, Huggyville, and all that stuff, bringing in the recruits. The recruits stay for Frank Martin. Then he has a success, and it was fun. Like Manhattan was Manhattan basketball, K-State basketball for those couple of years, that was cool. And then this guy came around. He wasn't the same, but he was winning as many basketball games. The whole reason I bring it up is this, okay? Brad Underwood would be a perfect fit if you can make it work. So last year, he got a $17 million extension, right? It would cost $7 million to buy out, and right now he's making 4.5. I know I just threw a lot of numbers there at you. So essentially what you would have to do is offer him an extension better than $17 million off the top. You probably have to say, like, hey, man, they gave you 17 for four years, I think it was. We'll give you 30 for five. That's a pretty big upgrade in paycheck. And then obviously they're going to take care of that $7 million buyout. My point is if that's their guy, figure out a way to do it. In the case of MU, I almost think the more interesting question is this. In hindsight, just from a sports perspective, not from making money, because I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, but the SEC schools each got cut like an extra like, what was it? Google it for me so I don't say the wrong number, but – A lot of money. We'll get it here for you in a second. Like, on top of what they thought they were going to make. So, financially, MU going to the SEC, brilliant. It's worked out great for them. Academically, and I went to a big 12 school, KU. SEC, much more impressive with their schools. All right? So, better academic school. When it comes to sports, though, and this is a sports talk show, and I am the sports machine, so that's kind of what we do here. I don't think you could argue that, in hindsight, MU regrets jumping ship and going to the SEC. Yeah, you could say, well, the first couple of years, they made it to the championship game in football and yada, yada, yada. They haven't done crap in basketball. And think about right when they left, they were cooking with basketball, with the flip-pressy teams and uh, Damari Carroll, those squads. Like, they were cooking. They had a couple of good coaches stuck around for a few years back-to-back. And then once they went to the SEC, that's just completely gone on the crapper. And then football, just call it what it is. They've been less than overwhelming now for quite a while consistently since they won those back-to-back sec sides, so again i think as a institution they're not going to tell you they regret going to sec because it's been worthwhile did you get that number by the way i think it was a hundred i could find it yeah i think it was 177 million a piece for each institution on top of what they were expecting to get so yeah that worked out well for them but in hindsight now you're there and are you ever going to be able to I ask this question, honestly, not as the jerk that I am that lived in Lawrence for a long time, went to college at KU is Missouri position in the future. Do they look like they have any chance to win the SEC in football? Let's be honest. No, like success is finishing in the top half of that conference, which is fair. It's, it's the closest thing to the NFL, no knock. And then in basketball, it's kind of become the same thing. Like, Don't worry about becoming Florida or Kentucky or Tennessee or Auburn. Just try to be okay because you haven't been that in a while either. All right, we'll take a break on the other side coming up next. We'll talk Royals baseball. Uh, Text in your Royals questions, and I'll ask them to Vern. Josh Vernier joins us right here, 610 Sports Radio.
0: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: So the play-in games are underway. I guess that means that the NCAA tournament has started. Cool. We'll talk about that as the show rolls on. But right now, let's switch gears and talk a little bit of baseball since baseball is back also with our Royals insider, Josh Vernier. Vern, what's up, man? Haven't talked to you in a long time. I think the question everybody wants to know is, what's your off-season facial hair looking like right now? Sometimes during the uh, baseball off-season, you got that great facial fuzz.
4: Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's cleaned up. Oh. It's all the same length now. Yeah, I'm back amongst professionals, so I gotta I gotta clean it up a little bit. But before we get into this, I, I do want to ask you, uh, where's the smart action on these two games tonight?
1: Oh, I think which games you talking? Oh, on the oh, this, the Southern Texas Southern 16 versus 16. Uh, I would say that the school that has a CC attached to it. and This is my only bit of advice. I thought until yesterday that that meant it was Texas whatever, community college. The CZ stands for yeah. Corpus Christi, so I bet against them because I thought it was a community college. That's how much I'm a dumbass, so don't don't take my advice. Go with somebody else's. I do want your advice, though, and I got a weird question for you off the top before we really start breaking it down. Now that Mike Matheny's been at the helm now for a little while, what do you think is the biggest difference between kind of his style and the style of the guy before Ned Yost? Uh, I
4: mean, the th- the biggest difference, I would say, is the, the sense of urgency that, that Matheny brings that, that Ned didn't. But you know, Ned already had a pair of pennants under his belt in 2018 and 19, uh, and Ned also knew what time it was. Everyone knew in 2018 and 2019 that those teams were going to lose, and they were going to lose a lot, Ned Yost being uh, number one on that list. He knew that they were going to lose, and he was going to wear it, and... Uh, that would be his send off as the manager of the Royals. So, uh, in, in in the new manager, Mike Matheny, the, the goal of Dayton Moore and, and, and John Sherman was not to get someone different than Ned Yost, but the losing that happened in, in 18 and 19, uh, they needed to have uh, someone excited about winning, someone with a sense of urgency, someone that didn't have the stink of 2018 and 19 on him. Uh, And and, and Matheny is very uh, in-your-face, very energetic, uh, very motivational. Uh, Ned was that prior to winning the World Series, uh, but Matheny is that as they try to win another.
1: Vern, for somebody like you that's been around now and literally seen and covered and talked about thousands, not exaggerating, thousands of Royals games, heading into this season, which player are you kind of most excited to watch?
4: But the obvious answer would be Bobby Witt Jr. Sure. So I'll say Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch is a guy that has top-of-the-rotation stuff. Him and Carlos Hernandez, I would say, would be number one and 1A as far as the guys I'm most excited to watch. You know, Under 25, a big lefty in Lynch and a burly right-hander in Carlos Hernandez. These are guys that have the ability to... Uh, give Kansas City something that they haven't had since. Uh, Zach Greinke, uh David Cohn, uh, Brett Saberhagen, Mark Gubasaw, I mean, homegrown talent that is must-see television. You know, with all due respect to uh, Danny Duffy and the late Donald Ventura, uh, neither of them showcased the ability to uh, be a number one of a, of a championship rotation. Now, maybe they had the stuff, but they didn't have the mentality. Uh, Lynch and Hernandez are still so early in their careers. I I think they could uh, take on uh, that kind of a a role in this organization. And if you have a guy that takes the ball in game one, in Daniel Lynch in game two, in Carlos Hernandez, man, figuring out three through five isn't that difficult. And then, you know, you you look at the offense and, Salvador Perez and Bobby Witt Jr. Man, those are those are two pretty strong pillars uh, for this offensive aspect of the Royals in 2022. Uh, but everyone knows about those guys. The pitching is, is going to be the reason why this team improves uh, or takes a step back in 22.
1: Vern's joining us here on Six Ten, your Royals insider. When you mentioned Bobby Witt Jr., I feel like sometimes in Kansas City you get the Patrick Mahomes expectations where, hey, he's going to do this, he's going to walk on water, he's going to throw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, and then, oh, my gosh, he actually did it. So now it's like, okay, yeah. across the the, the the Truman Sports Complex, they got this other guy. And, man, it's almost like people are talking about him the same way that were Mahomes five or six years ago. Is that fair, and what's a realistic expectation for Bobby Witt Jr. now, this season?
4: It's not fair because the case can be made that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest, at least aesthetically, talent-wise, Patrick Mahomes, you can make a case, is the greatest quarterback that the game of football has ever seen. Uh, But that's about where I'll stop making the comparisons. uh, Bobby Wood Jr., I I don't think is going to be the greatest uh, baseball player of all time. I don't think... I don't think he'll be better than Mike Schmidt and become the greatest third baseman of all time. Who who knows? Um, I also scoffed when I heard Brett Veach say, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented prospect I've ever covered. I I thought that was him just, just fanning the flames and getting people fired up. I remember Jay Binkley going on and on and saying, this guy should be our quarterback right now, even when... Alex Smith is winning a division title. I stopped at that, and then it all came to fruition, and Patrick Mahomes is the truth. There are a lot of comps between Mahomes and Bobby Witt Jr., not just the upbringing, not just being around professional athletes as a young kid, learning how a grown man leads other grown men, how you speak to a professional even when he's 5, 10 years your senior, um, the humility. That, that Patrick Mahomes showcased early on and still uh, possesses to this day, even though he has all the, the fame and notoriety anyone could want. Bobby Wood Junior.'s cut from that same cloth. Great parents. Uh, you know, he's got three older sisters that I know kept him in line growing up. Um, but, you know, b- baseball's difficult. He, he's going to have a, a, a rough stretch, I would imagine, at some point in the season. But the kid is. Uh, very mentally strong. I think he'll be able to adjust and get out of it. And, look, he's the favorite to win the American League Rookie of the Year this season. And I, I, I think that's right. I, I, mean, I saw it was plus 200. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily a, a wise bet because the return isn't as big as the field for American League Rookies of the Year. But I think it's just that cut and dry that Bobby Wood Jr. is different than, than most of the guys that will debut around the game this year.
1: Value bet is what you were looking for. Not a great value bet, but leave that up to the degenerates like myself. Uh, Vern, joining us from spring training here on 610 Sports Radio. It just feels like it's a super crowded infield. What are they going to do about that, and what does that mean for Mondesi?
4: Well, Mike Matheny earlier today on, on Fasco in the Morning uh, said it very matter-of-factly. Adalberto Mondesi is our shortstop. Mickey Lopez is our second baseman. He has... Is- all the ability in the world to be the best defensive second baseman in the game. And they're going to give Bobby Witt Jr. every opportunity this spring to win the third baseman job. And uh, he's going to win it. Uh, so, yeah, Witt Jr. at third, um, Mondesi at short, Nikki Lopez at second base, Carlos Santana at first, Ben attendee in left, Michael A. Taylor in center, Witt Merrifield in right, Hunter Dozier likely your opening day DH with the great number 13 behind the dish.
1: Hey, I know you got to get to watch the Royals here in just a second, so I'll let you go on this one. As far as the division goes, I don't expect the Royals to win it. Can they hang around? And the moves the Twins have been making, are they going to keep them competitive? Uh,
4: can Look, this division, maybe outside of the White Sox, I think the White Sox are still the most talented oh, team. Sure. They have the best bullpen, uh, maybe the second-best rotation, and the best lineup. So the White Sox, I think, are in a class by themselves, oh. and they've, Uh, you know, tasted defeat in the past two postseasons. So I I think that White Sox team is going to be out for blood this year with a sole focus on October. But as far as second place in the American League Central, it comes down to the, uh, without, you know, taking a uh, cop out here, it comes down to the starting pitching. Detroit's pitching and Kansas City, it's all about their 25 and under uh, starting pitchers. You look at Detroit and Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning, You look at Kansas City with Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, and Carlos Hernandez. Of of the young arms on those two franchises, whoever performs better, that team will finish highest. Uh, The Cleveland Guardians have uh, some big-time names, whether it's Bieber or Savali or Zach Plesak and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, They've done it, so I'll give them a slight nod at second place. And as far as the moves that the Twins have made... Uh, Right now, it looks like they're just dumping money. We'll see if they go and spend that money on a Trevor Story and improve that shortstop position. But uh, I have questions about their rotation. Sonny Gray, to me, is not a number one of a playoff team. Uh, So really, it's uh, Chicago and everyone else searching for someone to uh, take charge when it comes to the rotation.
1: Vern, I'm not saying you're Denny quite yet, but you have over the years become one of the uh, synonymous voices with Royals baseball during the summer. So we're looking forward to hearing you all summer long, man. Good to catch up with you.
4: That's very nice of you to say, Sean. I appreciate it, buddy.
1: You got it, man. Take care. That's Josh Vernier joining us live from spring training here on 610 Sports Radio. Royals baseball is back, and you can catch it all right here on 610. That's it for one hour. Flew by, Grant. Is that right? Wow. One hour in the books coming up on the other side. I'm known as the machine. Am I the mascot machine? Grant has put up a list of some schools that are in the NCAA tournament that he doesn't think I know the mascot for, and I'm going to burn his ass. Coming up next right here on 610 Sports Radio.
0: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.